Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we are sitting down for a Career Pathways episode with Valentine Thomas, who is a world-class spearfisher, 170-foot freediver, published author, sustainability-focused chef, entrepreneur, and influencer with a global platform. And we are here to talk about her career, how she went from studying to be a lawyer all the way to being a, you know, basically she spends her career spearfishing and talking about it. And it's a pretty cool conversation. She also has a book coming out on May 16th, 2023. And uh, we will give you all the information on how to get that. Before we get into all of this, I want to remind everybody, like I always do, to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. So every time a new episode comes out, it will be automatically downloaded onto your device. And follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, do you want to be a guest? Do you have topic suggestions? You want to sponsor the podcast? You can do all that on our online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. That's right. And remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out and we appreciate everybody that's already done that. So without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation that we had with Valentine Thomas and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right, so we are sitting down today with Valentine Thomas. How's it going, Valentine? Thanks for joining us. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Valentine is a, oh man, what are you not? She's a spearfisher, free diver, author, chef, entrepreneur, influencer, uh, thought leader, all of the things. <laughs> she does it all. And uh, I'm sure there are some people that listen that have heard her name before and maybe seen one of her talks or something. So we're very delighted to have you join us today, Valentine. And this is great because we haven't been doing a lot of Career Pathways episodes this year. Last year, we did a whole lot, but we haven't done as many of those this year yet. And I'm really excited to get into that more and hear your story uh, of your career. And then we're going to talk about your cookbook that's come, that, uh, that is out at the end. So make sure that people, we want to make sure that our listeners listen all the way through so they get all that information about that as well. But first of all, Valentine, I'm just going like, to let you loose and just have you start telling your story. And uh, you know, our listeners want to hear kind of where you started and how you got to where you are now. I know it's pretty interesting, so I'm pretty excited. So uh, handing it off. Well, it was definitely the most unplanned thing you can think of. Uh, I'm born <laughs> yeah. and raised in downtown Montreal. So it's really not a career path that was definitely destined for me whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I did my law degree and my master in law in Canada. And then I decided to just make a move. I just wasn't kind of ready to work. I wanted to try to explore something different. So I decided to move to London. I moved to London. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer my whole life. So I kind of assumed that I needed to keep doing that. So I did a two years uh, university course to basically do my conversion so I could be a lawyer in the UK. And then after a couple of years, I was like, you know what? This is just not for me. <laughs> this is just not working. So you so, you were actually practicing law in, in the UK? No, I was working for a hedge fund. Okay. So basically, when I decided that law was not for me, I made a 180 and I was just, you know what? I'm going to try something completely different. I'm going to go and finance instead. 
So I started working in finance. I worked in the hedge funds. I was working in the business development. Um, and then what I did is when I first moved to London, weirdly enough, I made friends with the only people who were spearfish in the entire UK, probably. Uh, <laughs> I made it completely by coincidence. And I sat next to a guy in the plane. He was carrying like those big free diving fins. And curious person than I am, I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and we started chatting and everything. And he said, it's the greatest thing ever. When you're back to London, let's like have dinner. And then we'll talk about all of that. And he kind of forced me to get into it. I did my free life class. He took me spearfishing. It changed my life over the years, but not immediately. So I was I'm not going to lie. I was kind of a party girl in my early 20s. <laughs> And so in Europe, I did a lot of cool trips and stuff. And yep. then everything kind of shifted. Now, all of a sudden, instead of going party with my friends and going to Spain and doing different things, now I was in the middle of Africa, catching fish, sleeping in a tent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a 180. <laughs> <laughs> that is proper 180. Yeah. And in 2016, I got hired to film a documentary. And even though I was paid basically barely nothing, that's when I realized that, oh, wow, I actually could make something pretty freaking cool for a living. Mm -hmm. So I quit everything. Everybody told me that I was absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a nice apartment. I had a brand new car. I had everything I ever wanted. And I decided to basically quit everything and move to Florida with my two sausage dogs to become a professional spearfisher woman. A job that does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, why, why Florida? Just because of the diving and the Key I West? Just, is it is it Key West? Is that? It was more the Fort Lauderdale, Miami okay. area. Yeah. yeah. I just assume it's a big airport. I can fly anywhere in the world very easily. The fishing is good. Seemed like a no brainer. And I thought, you know, everything is cheap compared to London. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I get there within. Three, four months, I burned through all of my savings. Miami is actually not that cheap whatsoever. No, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 28. I'm sleeping in my car. I'm like, part of my friends are like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life now? But really enough, I was having such a good time. And I was kind of discovering a different aspect of myself. And that's when I realized that, you know what? I've been somebody that's really ambitious. Like having a good career is very important for me. So I need to get off my ass and just start working properly. And five years later, it miraculously and against everybody's expectation, I managed to make a job out of it. <laughs> okay, so what, walk us through that though, because like the, there's there's a big gap that you just jumped from deciding to to make this your work, and then all the way to this is my job. So walk us through the steps that you took for that, because I'm fascinated how you can kind of take something that you said, like you said, is not really a thing and then turn it into an actual career. So I'd love to hear you, kind of the steps that you took. Well, it's, it's a kind of, it, it was a process. So firstly, the whole move from moving from London to, to Florida, that was a pure leap of faith. There was no calculated move there. It was, could have seen it a little bit stupid at a time, mm -hmm. but now I'm happy the way it turned out. So <laughs> I don't want to discourage people to do that. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was just a big transition and then it was really just about how do I make this work? And the thing is that, you know, our generation, it's not like we're taught in school that we could be entrepreneurs, that we can start our own business. You know, we kind of been set in, in, in our head that, you know, to start a company, you need to be freaking Steve Jobs. You need to be a yeah. genius. It's not exactly, for ordinary yeah. people like 
like most of us. And then this is when I had to realize that actually this is not true. It's to start your own company. You need something different. You need drive. You need hard work. And that's pretty much it. If you spend 60 hours a week working on your company, the chances you're going to go somewhere is actually pretty high. Yeah. Unless you're delusional, you know, if you're five foot two and you want to be an NBA player, that may not work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you never know. So you have been spearfishing all over the world. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have, and I know that you you use social media to showcase a lot of your journeys. I'm fascinated with like species of fish, water temperature. How do you mentally prepare from going in in the warm waters of Africa or Florida to colder oceans and like what is what is that like so firstly I retired my seven male <laughs> I'm like I refuse to go anything that's below 50 50 degrees it's a big no-go for me anymore. okay don't come to Maine then <laughs> yeah I respect that actually I'm saying that I'm going to New York early June God oh. damn it <laughs> <laughs> bring it back out <laughs> it's it's all about seasons it's about um yeah where you can catch up with time um moon phases is also something that's important when it comes to fishing so there's different factors and it's just about organizing your perfect trip mm-hmm. it's really often about those trips are often about getting a certain species so let's say if you go fishing in um french Polynesia, you're going to go after big wahoos big duck tube tunas but I kind of through the years, I'm more interested now in two. That's why I really like living in Tampa. It's the whole, I go on Sundays with my friends. We fill up the cooler, have fish for the next two weeks. And I'm just really happy about that. So how is, how is it regulated as far as like how much, how many fish you can pull out? Like, is that, I'm assuming that there is regulations for that or does that vary depending on where, where you go? It's, it's, it's really depends on, on where we are. And yeah. As you, as you guys know, the U.S. is fantastic at regulations when it comes to the, the, the fish stock. So it's, it's very, very well regulated here. When it comes to, you would think you would assume that further out um, areas or less populated area is more dense in fish. And it's actually not accurate. The United States has probably one of the best fishing I've seen in the world. Mm-hmm. When it comes yeah. to varying species, the health of fish stock and everything. This is super interesting, and I, I feel like our listeners will find this interesting too, because a lot of stuff that we talk about, we we are in the larger industry, right? Like most of the stuff that we focus on is like trawling boats and you know large scale aquaculture farms and scalable large mass production of of seafood. And this is a, a facet of the industry that is so different from that, because like you're, I mean, you're literally out, like you know, you're one in a time in out here, <laughs> and. Uh, it's uh, it's just such a different process for for getting seafood. Um, I'm curious how, in your mind, this sec- sector of the industry, the spear fishing, and I guess it would kind of go in line with like rod and reel fishing, how it kind of fits into the overall seafood industry. Because, like I said, all we really ever hear about are the the massive producers, and we don't talk too much about this this side of the industry. So I'm curious, kind of, what your perception is of how this fits in to the industry as a whole. I would definitely say that recreational fishing, sorry, um, definitely does have an impact on fish stock when it comes to mm-hmm. shorelines. Uh, when it comes to blue water and deeper water, uh, I do not believe we make the tiniest well, dent in anything. We are out there, but it's oh. blue water hunting is my favorite type of spearfishing. 
Um, oh, you're going to have to walk us through that afterwards too. I mean, <laughs> that's fascinating too. But it's, it's just not, it's again, I, I do the whole fact of catching young fish and catching one fish at a time and seeing it. I, I do understand that it's, it's, it, 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 it is, in my opinion, one of the cleanest way to eat. There is some downside to it. I'm just being honest and transparent about it. Carbon footprint, not that great. <laughs> you run a run boat, uh, one boat, we're four people on a boat, and we catch a little bit of fish for a couple of weeks. So there is downside to it. And of course, if everybody in Florida starts going spit fishing, within six months, there would be nothing in the reefs anymore. So it's, mm. I think it's just about basically when you follow the rules, you follow the rules. I think, again, the US government is making a fantastic job when it comes to that. I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Eventually we're going to get to your, your cookbook in your new book. Yeah. Uh, and maybe this will kind of segue us into, in, into that. But did you grow up eating seafood? I did. I grew up eating seafood maybe like one, two times a week. Okay. But I never even thought or considered where my fish was from. Mm-hmm. I went to the store and it was what looks the best and what's the cheapest for the quality. Yeah. And Which I, is most people. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you are not exactly. alone in, in in that. And, you know, when you talk about when you're younger, like me specifically, I don't, I never would have thought about any of that. And now that you've opened up this whole world and you're aware of these different species, I'm sure you have tried so many more um, species of fish than I will probably ever dream of doing in my <laughs> lifetime. But I, I, I think that's what we're trying to get a lot of our listeners to understand as well is just because you've had one type of fish and it wasn't for you, that doesn't necessarily mean that all fish, you know, either taste like that or can't be caught and be a s- sustainable or responsibly sourced fish for you. But I'm trying to think like how, how we want to, how do we want to approach this, Sean? Well, how do we want to, do you want any more background before we get into the book? Well, I'm a little bit, I think, you know, the, the idea of these career pathways episodes is a lot of times it's, it's kind of uh, inspiring to our listeners, especially our younger audience, which we do have a, a big part of our audience is people just kind of finishing up college, entering the industry, or thinking that they want to get into the seafood industry somehow. Yeah, and that's why these career pathways episodes are so popular. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You know, we went through your whole story kind of up to when you started spearfishing, but I'm curious, kind of the development of your of a career around that. How how were you able to take something that's essentially a hobby for a lot of people and actually make it into a career because it's not something where you're you're going out every single day and spearing as much fish as you can and then like selling them into a market right so like how were you able to mold this into an a, a, an actual career I think that's something that our listeners would would be interested in hearing about I mean commercial spearfishing is a job it's not mine but it is a job <laughs> right right but I mean you specifically. <laughs> Just knowing, knowing, you know, doing research into into your story, I know that that's not what you are no. doing right now. So I'm I'm just curious, kind of, what your approach was. So to be fully transparent, so when when I was about to try to find a way to make this a job, of course, one of the priority was okay, I need to make money. Like it's, right. it's that's just I need yeah. to well, survive. That's what it comes down to. Right? So what's what's the best way? I was trying to think what's the best way here to make money, and keep pushing different things without compromising integrity here i'm very vocal when it comes to fisheries i'm very vocal when it comes to different type of issues and the seafood industry so i also really wanted to be mindful about the fact that again i cannot lose integrity when it comes to to what i have to say i'm happy i will call out anybody (laughs) 
that I disagree with, and it's not in a mean way, but of course, just to, I do believe that conversations are what uh, create positive changes in the world. And um, mm-hmm. so when it comes to making money, I did, I, I tried different things. I just tried speaking engagements. I realized there was a lot of money in that. So I started finding an agent who would book me that type of stuff. And then yeah. I hate social media. I hate cameras on my face. Sorry about that. It brings that. me money. So <laughs> Sorry about throwing money, a camera so in your I'm face like, you and a what? microphone in front of you. <laughs> Podcast is fun. It's not a conversation, so it's good. <laughs> but so I realized, okay, how can I work with that? And how can I make a living out of that? So it's just, it's, it was kind of uh, trial and errors were a yeah. lot. So it was, you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to put enough line in the water. Super shitty pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> always intend your pun. Yeah, always intend <laughs> Not to... Not too many that I cannot focus on each of them to try to make it work, but enough that I actually have a little bit and everything and try to see. And right now, what's bringing me money is, of course, social media is a big help. Um, my book that's coming out, um, speaking engagement is quite a lot of it. I've done some consultancy with some seafood companies also uh, when it comes to how you can basically talk to consumers and you can educate your consumers. And yeah, what's the best way to source the best fish also and how to cook it? Because as you mentioned earlier, one of the things that is difficulty I found in the seafood industry is that people very rarely go outside of very few species when the ocean has amazing species to offer. Mm-hmm. And way That's beyond like exactly the what you were getting at, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. It's not chicken, right? It's not just one yes. one bird. There's a lot of different species out there. Um, and it's not just a species thing also. it's um, I met a chef in New Orleans a few years ago, and he told me something that resonated so much to me. And he said, what if I put a chicken in front of you and I cut the breast and I threw the whole thing away? What would you tell me? I would tell you you're wasting food. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we're doing the exact same thing with fish every single day. So I said, that's a very freaking good analogy, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think uh, whenever we do a, a Career Pathways episode, and I either say this in our intros or outros or sometimes during the conversation, but there always seems to be like the crossroads, right? So any of our listeners that are out there that are trying to find themselves within the world and then looking at people who have been successful and like what that journey looked like for them, right? There was a crossroads and and for you, it seemed like you your crossroads was before you left was it London? I think everyone's like, you're crazy. You're, you're really going to try to make this work. And you didn't know what the future held. And you decided to take that path. And like you said, you invested the time you it was trial and error to figure out how you wanted to follow your, your new passion and make it successful. And I think there's a lot of similarities for any of our career pathways, people that come on the show, and they, they, they're always forced into a decision. And it was the path that they took that got them well one on our show to talk about the successes that they were having. And, um, and that's the ultimate goal for most people, I think mm-hmm. is to get on our show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, made it. You're there. You've made it. Yeah. You made yeah, it. You made, congratulations. You can end now. You retire. retire yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a long time coming, but you know what? You, you finally made it. Uh, but I want to, I want to get into, is it May 16th? Is that the right date? Is that the release yeah. date? Yeah. So you have, this is your first publication, correct? Second. Your first book, second one. Okay. Sorry about that. So May 16th, you have a book coming out. Can you tell us what it is, where people can get it and what is in it? 
So my book is called Good Catch. It's basically a sustainable fish and seafood cookbook. But it's more a cookbook. There's also a big part of it is I kind of do explain my journey and why, how I got from basically being a lawyer to do what I do, the hesitation I faced uh, through the whole thing. Um, so that's one big part of it. The second of it, I do have a technical section. So I do want feel people to, I do want people, sorry, to feel empowered when they actually cook seafood. Mm-hmm. So I do explain um, how to pick it, how to store it, how to cut it, how to, what's, how can you eat fish raw? What's, what fish, what type of fish can you eat fish raw? How do you need to process this? What, and I really make this whole like DIY um, a section when I really want to give people the tools to, to, to handle seafood. So there's, Marinade combination, spice, sauces, garnish you need. So that's, yeah, that's the first part. Did, did you undergo training uh, for to be a chef or a cook? Or, or is it just kind of like over time you've developed the skills yourself? I'm just curious. I'm self-taught. I, I, so I've been cooking yeah. since I'm four. It's Cooking is my biggest passion. Mm-hmm. Actually, funny enough, when I started spit fishing, I didn't even like it. I was so <laughs> freaking scared in the water. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was shaking of fear of my first time I went spit fishing and I fell in love so much with the whole catching my whole fish and bringing it back home that that's what got me through and I kept going just because I was so happy to go home with my fish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think everything you just talked about is like such a big hurdle when you ask someone like why don't you cook seafood at home? It's like, well, I don't want to ruin it. I don't know how to cook it. I'm a little bit scared. Some seafood is expensive, so I don't want to invest the money, bring it home, and then not know what to do with it. And maybe I'm a little clouded just because I live in the United States and we typically don't have a ton of – seafood isn't isn't at the dinner table as much as it is in other countries. So I think – Even though you're in Maine. Yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> me personally, that's probably a poor example because I eat seafood an awful awful lot no but but i've been in this industry for almost a decade and i still do the same thing you know oh that yeah i'd love to try that but it's kind of expensive not really in the budget this week and i'm afraid to mess it up you know that's still Mm -hmm. it's still a mindset i get it so uh what else so what else is in in this book that's coming out so then the last part is just about recipes so the one of big theme across the book is that i treat actually just to make sure that people do um, get get easier with uh, get more at ease with cooking seafood as I use it a lot as meat. Mm-hmm. So I have instead of a steak and egg, I have a swordfish and egg. I do buttermilk fried fish. So I do. I really want to try to show people that you know what you can use fish as meat. The worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen is you're gonna overcook it. So just be careful. There's even a recipe for microwave fish. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. You can't screw up that one. <laughs> Those are the best, though, when we get the recipes for microwave seafood or uh, what is what was the one that uh, Barton did? The toaster, did toaster oven, oven tilapia. Toast, toaster oven tilapia. And that was great. Great. Amazing. That was really <laughs> things good. approachable for people, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. even the the the, the microwave uh, fish recipe that I have is literally just it's cooking white wine, and you can add some oh sorry you can add some coconut milk and it's it's actually good even if it's a microwave but that's the whole again is the whole purpose of the books is really to give people as much tools as possible really to make sure that you feel at ease cooking seafood at home excellent yeah is there any anyone that was influential to your 
cooking style or practices throughout your journeys? I know you said you were self-taught, but has there been anything that stands out as far as, you know, you know, I really want to try that or that's a really good idea and that you kind of ran with it? So weird thing about me is that I don't cook the same thing twice. <laughs> mm, okay. I think there's too many flavor combinations and recipes yeah. in the world that I, I, I need to try everything. So it's just, of course, I'm, I'm French. So as you can probably hear it in my very thick accent, um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just like, I'm very French influenced. So this book was also for me, a kind of a discovery to of traditional American cuisine. I mean, no, I'm saying buttermilk fried chicken. (laughs) Yeah. It's not something I grew up eating. (laughs) I did. (laughs) So, yeah, no, me too. What what is the best place for people to pre order this? I know it's available on Amazon, um, but I know that the different, you know, different suppliers in different places can have a more or less of a benefit to the writer. So where would you prefer people go to pre order this book? The website of Barnes and Nobles is really good. Amazon, if you don't have an issue with Amazon as a company. And yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure that we link to it in the show notes. And we're going to link to your website as well. Let's talk about like some of the other stuff that you're doing right now, because you're all over the place. Where's some of the, the places that you've done uh, speaking, speaking events, or, uh, you know, what, what else have you done with your with your career that you're proud of? It's been, it's been a journey. So there's been things along the way. So now I'm very focused on the PR of my book. But in the past, um, the second greatest podcast I ever made, of course, when I was on Joe Rogan, the mm. first being yours. Um, of course, right. right. <laughs> We're going to take that sound bite. Thank you very much. Yeah, we got, you know, we got we to gotta beat him away with a stick every week. He's yeah, trying I know. to get on this He's show. He's trying to get on the show. Yeah, we're like, Joe, Joe. You got your own brakes, show. Buddy. Just do your thing. You know? Back up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've been featuring Forbes a couple of times, um, so that was very... Very, very nice. Okay. And then, um, yeah, it's just different things. Cool. So along those lines, what does the future hold for you? I, I actually don't know. I don't really know. I just That's a keep safe answer. Doing... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just keep doing what I do. I enjoy yeah. my work every day. So it's really about just keep pushing through and just, again, I think it's about working as hard as I can, trying to enjoy it as much as I can and Absolutely. trying to stay authentic to what I believe in. and. And the message I want to carry yeah. through for people. Nice. Nice. You got any uh, fun or interesting or hilarious stories you'd like to share? Or do you keep those pretty close? I have so many of them. I mean, related to what? <laughs> Boat uh, stories just your, your, or your, shark maybe, stories? <laughs> maybe your, your spearfishing. Any any interesting uh, experiences you've had that our listeners would like, like to hear? I'm going to try to think about something that's not too vulgar. Because in a fishing boat, a lot of weird <laughs> stuff happens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, no, that's too disgusting. I can't tell that. Um, well, I'm going to tell you shark stories. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think that on your website, there is a, 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 a at least a video. On, I haven't watched it yet, but there is something with, with sharks. So I'm I'm curious about your what the story is. I have I had so many shark encounters, especially in Florida. They're everywhere. So it kind of become part of her day-to-day life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's, you just have to, what I like to tell people is that they're like dogs that you try to, you read the body language. If the dog is aggressive, you you know. So what you do when dog are aggressive, you just leave. You don't try to pet it. So it's the same thing with a shark. If the shark gets <laughs> aggressive, just get back on a boat and move. Yep. Um, there was this time I was in, where was I? 
I was in Fort Lauderdale. I went fishing with a bunch of my friends and current is ripping that day. It's like five knots of current. We anchor the boat. What we do is we put a very long rope in the back. So when you come back, you can just pull yourself back to the boat type of thing. Yeah. I shoot an emberjack. Next thing I know, there's 30 bull sharks around me. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and I, I, I screamed to my friends. They're like, bull shark, bull shark, bull shark. So one, one of my friends jumps in the water and he grabs my fish. And I'm like, I think you can drop the fish. He's like, no, 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 we're keeping it. We're keeping it. And I drop the damn fish. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 keep it, keep it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> then you, you keep it. I'm, I'm touching it. And so the sharks are like circling, circling. And then I look at the boat. The boat's like a mile away from us. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so man. I'm like, oh, no. And the two of my friends jumped in, not only one. So the guy who owns the boat is like, you guys stay there. I'm going to swim as fast as I can. I'm going to grab the boat and I'm going to come back. I'm like, okay, that's good. He starts swimming. It felt like an hour. It was most definitely not an hour. It was a long time. <laughs> so I'm with my friend. He's We're back to back. I have my spear. He has my gun and the fish in the other end. And he's just like pushing shark off. Oh they're my coming, God. they're swimming. They're trying to get the fish. Again, I'm like, drop the fish. <laughs> like, we're good. We're cool. And I'm like, yeah, real freaking cool. <laughs> and then my friend just flew by, come and grabbed us. and. We got the fish. <laughs> Jeez. Well, he, yeah, that's, I can't, it would take a lot of practice to get used to swimming, even with a docile shark. I think it wouldn't even matter. <laughs> it could be like the tiniest of sharks, just knowing. I mean, I grew up in Vermont and just swam in freshwater. So fish really didn't have teeth. And then when you get into the saltwater, <laughs> everything has teeth, it seems like. So just, that would take some getting used to. And that story with bull sharks, those are, those usually yeah, no make joke. the yeah they're no joke sharks so that's but i mean you live in great white land right <laughs> yeah that's true they got a lot she's of not wrong justin yeah, that's that true <laughs> your sharks I've give me way more than my sharks <laughs> yeah um so i i, I don't want to keep you for too long but i'm i'm curious for any of our listeners who are interested in spearfishing who would like to kind of get started and and are you know maybe they didn't even really think about it until they heard this episode what what would you what advice would you give to people who want to get into it you know how can they get started where can they where can they go for resources things like that um just kind of like embrace them into this this world and uh you know let them know what they need to to do what you do basically so the cool thing about the US is that every coast is fishy so if you live anywhere in the US that's close close to the ocean you will get fish so that's a very, very positive thing about it. The first step into spearfishing is to learn how to free dive. So spearfishing is the second most dangerous sport in the world after base jumping. But if you follow the rules, then you will be safe. And that's the thing about, you know, the people I know who did pass away spearfishing, uh, sadly, it's it, it's experienced people because yeah. you ended up disregarding uh, safety mm -hmm. rules. Get a little um, too confident. The time I almost died, which is the biggest danger in spearfishing is actually not sharks. It's drowning. It's shallow water blackout. Um, and the time, the time that I had a shallow water blackout is because I disregarded a very big safety rule, which was I didn't do a breed up that was long enough. Um, but yeah, do a free dive class. That's going to give you confidence. That's going to give you safety. It's going to teach you how to not panic when you're holding your breath. And then it's, you're going to learn how to know yourself and how much air you have. And then you're going to trust yourself way more and it's going to become easier. So once you 
practice those breathing techniques, how long can you stay underwater for? It depends. I mean, I it it's different depends. on, yeah, it depends. So, but you specifically, depending like down in Florida, I don't know if water temperature probably plays a part in it too, but can you go over, and this might be way off, like over a minute? I think I can only hold my breath for like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dives are about a couple of minutes. So wow. that's normally what we do. It's We mm. go, to be fair, we go pretty deep with my friends when we go. Again, on, on our Sunday fishing trip, we go between 60, 65, and about 90 wow. feet. So it's there's just we have bigger fish there. Yeah. You can find fish in the Tampa area and 25 feet of water. Um, but yeah, normally my dives are about in a couple of minutes. Okay, so you're down there and you're using what you use is like a spear gun? Yes. So you dive, and... you breathe up, you make sure that your heart rate is as slow as possible. And then when you calm, you take a dive, you go down. And when you do reef diving, you get to the bottom. Either you wait and you wait for a fish to come see you. You look at holes and different things. You see a fish, you shoot it. You go all the way back to the surface. And then when you're shooting line, you bring it back up. Okay. I was, uh, I was curious about that too. Like, okay, so you shoot a fish, then what? Do you like go collect it and swim up with it? Like, Because some of the fish you're getting air, you can't. pretty big. <laughs> Pretty big fish uh, that you can get um, doing this. So what do you think is the biggest fish that you've caught spearfishing? My biggest fish was a 400-pound marlin that I got in Mexico. No problem. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Did you eat it or did you? I So you I ate most of it. Actually, no, I didn't. I gave away three-quarter of it in Mexico. Then I brought back about 50 pounds of meat. I kept about 10 and then I told people I was in a grocery store of that corner and that corner. And I basically told people, come grab fish. And a lot of people showed up. Yeah. I and mean, within I like bet. 10 minutes, I was I had no fish left. <laughs> so so cool. it was kind of great. Awesome. It was actually, well, I did that because I wanted people to try marlin. I wanted people to try a different type of fish. Mm -hmm. It's a fish high in mercury also. I thought it was a good thing for people to have just like a piece and then be able to again, try something different. Yeah. Is it really difficult once you get started or did you, did you kind of get the hang of it pretty quick? The, the, it's, spear it's, fishing? the free diving, I feel, is the hardest thing. Yeah, I would see. I would believe that. And to be too excited. So, of course, it, it is exciting. You see fish, you want to shoot it. You need yep. to stay calm and just do it's like either hunting. a very calm approach. It's exactly like hunting. It's underwater hunting. Yeah. So yeah, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. Yes. That's what I, uh, yeah, it's no different than me hunting in the woods. You see a huge buck and say... Oh, that's gonna look that's gonna look good on the wall. And then it ran away. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. Uh I think, you know, we're getting close to time, so I don't I don't want to drag this out for too long. Uh is there anything else that you want to get out there while you have this platform? I know you do a lot of speaking, so I'm sure you have kind of some go to messages you like to send, but uh for our audience in particular, is there anything that you'd like to to get out there before we wrap up? Well, I think it's especially because this is a kind of a water seafood uh, orientated podcast, I would say that one of the best tricks when it comes to making right decisions in the grocery store, um, again, the, the I, I know I said that several times during the podcast, but the U.S. have really fantastic regulations and really we need to start eating our own fish. I mean, I say ours like I'm American, but <laughs> for the purpose of this, I am. Um, it's really eating local seafood is something that is really really something that can help we do need to prove the rest of the world that sustainable fisheries is a viable model not only in 
environmental perspective, but also economical. Well, and, and for then, our oh, go ahead, Sean. No, uh, it sounds like you had something more. No, I was going <laughs> to just let all of our listeners know to check the show notes because we are going to not only link to your website, we are going to link to um, a few different places where they can reserve your book. It will be live on May 16th, 2023, for those of you that may be listening to this episode a little bit later. Uh, anything else, Sean, that we think that we should link? No, I don't think so. I usually ask all of our Career Pathways guests um, what advice they have for young people that are looking to enter the industry, but we kind of went over that uh, yeah. in a couple different questions. So uh, unless there's anything really that you think would be would be useful to our younger audience. Well, this. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in the seafood industry, and we need young, motivated people to yeah. to, to to do it. So it's if you're motivated and you think that you're not good enough for starting your own business, you are. You can actually create really amazing and positive change in the world. And then ocean conservation, you can also make good money by doing it. It's just 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 do it. Just find areas that needs help and just just. Go one hundred percent in it. Fantastic. And then, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Instagram. Instagram. Okay. What is yes. your Instagram handle? Just at Valentine Thomas. All right, and we'll make sure we link to that as well in the show yeah. notes. So, uh, if anybody else, if you, no one has anything else, uh, I just want to say, Valentine, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Folks, that was our Career Pathways conversation with Valentine Thomas. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And I hope you were as inspired as we were to really kind of follow that dream, whatever it may be. Remember to check the link in the show notes to pre-order her book, Good Catch, A Guide to Sustainable Fish and Seafood with Recipes from the World's Oceans. Uh, I'm very excited to take a look at this book and make sure that you get your hands on your copy when it is available. If you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe to Academia wherever you listen so every new episode will be automatically downloaded to your device as soon as it becomes available. And follow us on Twitter at Pod. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, we have an online forum located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out, and we appreciate everybody that's already done that. And if you're interested in becoming more involved in what we do at the Global Seafood Alliance, you may want to consider becoming a member. All of the information about GSA membership can be found at globalseafood.org slash membership. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye. Bye.